Well, this morning I want to talk about digging ditches. Digging ditches, and we're looking at 2 Kings in chapter 3, and we're just continuing on on the, we've done a, uh, on the study of the life of the prophet Elisha. I think we've done about three messages so far, and this will be the fourth one. And in 2 Kings chapter 3, and the title is Digging Ditches. Now, we see a, a victory here, a great victory of the Lord, and a victory of the three kings. And this victory came as a result of the prophetic word, of the, the word of the Lord coming forth. And that word of the Lord God gave to his prophet, he gave to Elisha, and, and the word of the Lord, that was the, the, the word of the Lord, to dig ditches, to dig ditches. And they had to dig ditches and see the Lord miraculously provide water uh, and enough water for, for three armies. And that's without, without rain, without it raining. No rain. And miraculously, God supplied water for three different armies. I mean, and plus many animals and beasts as well. Now, Elisha had already experienced, you know, three miracles since he received that double portion anointing of Elijah. Elijah is a type of Christ. Elisha is the type of the church. And Elisha, Elijah did seven major miracles, whereas Elisha did double that, 14. And the call of God was on Elisha. He followed the Lord, there was a determination, there was a perseverance, there was an endurance there, and he received what he asked for. Remember the prophet Elijah said, you know, what is your request? And he wanted the double portion of the spirit that was upon Elijah. And Elijah said, it's a hard thing, you've asked, but if you see me when I'm caught up in a whirlwind into heaven, It'll be yours. And Elisha saw it. And he saw Elijah go up in a whirlwind into heaven. I mean, what, a, what an incredible experience. And the chariots of God and the fire of God, the angels of God. And then the mantle, when Elijah was called up, that mantle fell down to the ground. And Elisha saw it and he picked it up. And he went to the River Jordan, and he smote the River Jordan with that mantle, that jacket of Elijah. And that was the first miracle. You know, the waters parted. And the, the river, the waters parted of the River Jordan, and he went across on dry land. And then the second miracle was when, they came to, when he came to Jericho. And the elders of the city came out to Elisha and said, you know, it looks good. Everything looks fine, but there's a problem. And the waters were bitter. The boy, waters in Jericho, the water supply was poisonous. And God showed him to get some salt and uh, put it into the water. And he did that, and a miracle happened. And those waters were purified. The waters were healed. They were cleansed. They could drink them. And then, as Elisha was journeying, you know, these youths came out and they were mocking Elisha, calling him a bald head, just mocking him. Another miracle happened. You know, this time was a miracle of judgment. Two she-bears came out and tore them and devoured those 42 youth who were mocking the prophet. And so that's the background to 2 Kings chapter 3. And in 2 Kings in chapter 3, and let's... Let's just stand and let's read the first eight. Let's stand, shall we? And let's read the first 
eight verses of chapter 3. Okay. One, two. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, the 18th year of the Jehoshaphat king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not from them. And Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep master and rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams with the, with the wool. And it came to pass when Ahab was dead and the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. And he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. All right, so you may be seated. Now, at that time, the king of Israel was Jehoram, and he was the son of Ahab. And we know that Ahab was a very wicked, evil king. He was married to Jezebel. She was probably even worse. And she, you know, encouraged the people to go into idolatry and worship Baal. She encouraged people to go into immorality. And she was very wicked. Jehoram was their, was their son, the son of Ahab and Jezebel. And after Ahab died, first of all, the next king after he died was Ahaziah. And then after Ahaziah died, then another son of Ahab began to reign, and that is Jehoram, who's mentioned here in chapter 3. So Jehoram, he was the son of Ahab, and he began to reign. He became king over Israel. And remember, Israel is the northern ten tribes after the divided kingdom, and then the southern kingdom is the basically the southern two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, known often known as the as Judah. Israel in the north ten tribes, in the south Judah, two tribes. And Jehoram was the king of Israel, and in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, he was a godly king, by and large a very godly king, the, the king of Judah, and he reigned for 12 years. And Jehoram, he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord. But he was not as bad as his father Ahab. He was not as bad as his mother Jezebel. But at least he put away the image of Baal, which was involved in great idolatry, that his father had made. Verse 3, Nevertheless he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And Jeroboam, when, when the kingdom was divided, was the united kingdom, David, then Solomon, Saul, and then David, then Solomon. And then the kingdom was divided, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Jeroboam, who rebelled. Southern kingdom was the son of Solomon, Rehoboam. And so the, the, the kingdom was divided after, after three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. And what Jeroboam did so that people would not go to Jerusalem, he set up idols in Bethel and in Dan, right at the very north of Israel, for people to go there. And there was a, a mixture, there was idolatry, and, uh, uh, you know, the Lord was not, the Lord was very displeased 
with them. And so Jehoram, he, he, he brought evil um, in the sight of the Lord, but it was obviously not as bad as his father Ahab or his mother Jezebel. And in verse 3, he tells us that he cleaved to the sins of Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, after the kingdom was divided, he led the kingdom of kingdom into idolatry at Bethel and at Dan in the north. And um, so, so, and then we're introduced in verse 4 to Mesha. And Mesha is the king of Moab. Now, Moab, Moab is on the, on the uh, eastern side, down the south of the, of the Dead Sea. Um, and Mesha was the king of Moab. He was a sheep master, and he, he rendered to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams with the wool. So he, he had many sheep, and what had happened uh, before Jehoram was Ahab, and Ahab had defeated uh, Moab in battle, and then part of the, the, the tribute that, that Moab had to pay Ahab was all, all these sheep he had to give every year, every year, every year. It was like a, like a huge tax that he had to give. And so Ahab died, and then there was the king Ahaziah for a time, and now we come to Ahab's other son, Jehoram. And we see here that Jehoram, he rebels. He, he, the, the, uh, the king of Moab, Mesha, he rebels against Jehoram, and he stops paying like his, his, his tax or his tribute money and all these sheep and the, the wool from all these sheep, 100,000, I mean, a huge amount. Um, and he stops paying it and stops giving it. And so when Ahab was dead, the king of Moab, verse 5, he rebelled against the king of Israel. And so King Jehoram went out of Samaria and he numbered all the people. He was going to go to battle. He was not going to just let this, let this go. And, I mean, he wanted those sheep. He wanted the wool. He wanted that, that tribute. And in verse 7, and he went and he sent, sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will thou go with me against Moab to battle? Now, Jehoshaphat was in the south. By and large, he was a godly king. He loved the Lord. He was a righteous man. He taught the people the word of God. He had many precious qualities. He was a man of prayer and many precious qualities. But there was one particular flaw with Jehoshaphat, which one particular flaw, one particular sin that caused tremendous damage, not only in his own life, but in his family, and even for, even for generations to come in the nation of Israel, or in, in, in Judah, the, the southern, southern kingdom. And... You know, Jehoshaphat, he was, a, he was a godly king. He loved the Lord. He walked in righteousness. But the problem that he had, often he made, he joined together, he joined together with the wrong people, with the wrong people. He made wrong alliances. And Jehoshaphat, even though he was, he was godly himself, but he was prone to walk with the ungodly. Now, of course, we're all called to to minister to the ungodly, to witness to the ungodly, not to be you know, ashamed of our faith. But we're not called to hang out with the ungodly and to spend, our, spend lots and lots of our time with them. You know, we're, we're told that you know, there's a walk of separation and we're to be separate unto, unto the Lord. And so that was the problem with Jehoshaphat. He was prone to walk with the ungodly. Now, really, he should never have, have made that agreement or made that alliance with the king of Israel, Jehoram, because Jehoram, you know, he, had, he was an ungodly man. He was an ungodly king. And they should not have gone together uh, in this battle against Moab. 
Now Jehoram's son, Jehoram's son, he married Athaliah. And Athaliah, she was an evil woman, very evil woman. She was the, she was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, the do- and the daughter of King Ahab and Jezebel. And so when Jehoshaphat went to help, you know, the wicked king of Ahab, you know, God, this is when Ahab was still alive, Jehoshaphat went to, went to help, and that they joined together. And, and Ahab was a wicked king. I mean, he was involved in, in the mur- murder of prophets of God and, and, and men of God. And God rebuked, and God strongly rebuked God, God strongly rebuked him through the prophet Jehu. And in 2 Chronicles 19 and verse 2, it speaks about Jehu, the son of Hanini. And he was, a, he was a seer, he was a prophet, and he went out to meet Jehoshaphat. And he said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the ungodly? Should you help the ungodly? And he, he asked him that question. Do you help the ungodly? Should you love them that hate the Lord? You know, we are to love those who love the Lord, but also we're to hate evil and to hate those that, that hate the Lord. And he asks him, the prophet of God says to him plainly, should you help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath, is judgment upon you from before the Lord. And that was the word of the Lord that came to Jehoshaphat, even though in many ways, in many areas, you know, he was, a, he was a godly man. And after this rebuke, Jehoshaphat, after the, and even after this rebuke, Jehoshaphat, he helped Ahaziah. Now, Ahaziah, that was the, the, the son of Ahab. When Ahab died, his first son who became king of Israel was, was Ahaziah. And Jehoshaphat had, had come into, a, into alliance not only with Ahab, but then when Ahab died with his son Ahaziah and joined himself to make ships. And these ships were to go to Tarshish, right on the the, uh, uh, western end of the Mediterranean Sea. And, you know, the son of of Ahab, he joined himself, you know, with Jehoshaphat to make ships to go to Tarshish. We read about that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In verses 35 and verse 36, verse 37. But God intervened, and those ships, the Bible tells us that God break those ships. And so now in 2 Kings chapter 3, and from verse 7 onwards, we see that even, even after what had happened, I mean, Joseph had made a wrong alliance with Ahab, and the prophet warned him about it. But even after that, then he made another wrong alliance with Ahab's son, Ahaziah, and he was going to build ships to gain money and so on. And God blew on that and broke those ships. But here he is. And then after Ahaziah died, then another one of, Ahab, of Ahab's sons, Jehoram, then here we find in, in 2 Kings chapter 3, that Jehoshaphat is making another alliance. I mean, he, he should have learned the first time, but he didn't. He should have learned the second time, but he still didn't. And here he is a third time making an alliance, making an agreement with the ungodly king Jehoram, also another son of, of Ahab. And, and when he was asked to go into battle against this, this king of Moab, he said, he replies this, he says this in verse 7, I will go up. I am as you are. My people, the southern kingdom, are as your people, and my horses are as your horses. I will give you. I will help you. you can, my army will go out with you to, to strengthen you, to help you. And so in the situation, basically, and I think it's, a, it's an important lesson it's important lesson for us in the situation in the situation that we're facing at this time. And I think if we're going to go on, often when we're going to go on to for the Lord and go to a new level in God, 
there are often sacrifices along the way. And sometimes when that happens, there has to be a separation. There has to be a separation. And sometimes it's a separation from people who may have, you know, they may have many, you know, good qualities. But, you know, God is, and, and, and you know, sometimes God requires a separation from those, you know, who are not righteous and ungodly. And there's a necessity of this. And Jehoshaphat, he was, he, he was, a, he was a righteous king. So many good qualities. But this, this major fault in his life, this terrible flaw of wrong alliances resulted in disastrous consequences, not only in his lifetime, but even after he died in succeeding generations. And those joined himself to the wrong people. And basically, we could say it in another way, there was a, there was a lack of separation. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, he made wrong alliance with three, three wicked kings of Israel, Ahab, and then his son Ahaziah, and another son of Ahab, Jehoram, which we read about in 2 Kings in chapter 3. And so, you know, the warning from this for us, be careful, be careful of wrong alliances, long, wrong alliances. You know, so often there's, well, sometimes there's, you know, young men with real call of God upon their lives, and, you know, they love the Lord, and, and, but yet they get into a wrong alliance, like marriage, with some, you know, some girl who's, you know, half-hearted and not really, you know, committed to, to the Lord, to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord fully. And, you know, of, and, and often, you know, that ministry is, 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 is greatly hindered because of a wrong alliance or a wrong marriage. And in marriage, it's, it's important not only for, you know, to marry a believer, but you want someone with the same call, the same vision, you know, going on, and also one with a strong commitment, um, you know, to the Lord. And so we need to be very careful, wrong alliances, and, and how we counsel people, how we advise people, those who come to us, you know, asking advice, Business partnerships with the unsaved. Be very careful. Be very careful. And in fact, you know, the apostle Paul says, "Come out from among them." Speaking to the Corinthian believers, and they they'd come from a terrible lifestyle of, you know, fornication and adultery and witchcraft and all kinds of things, homosexuality, and and you know, Paul has to write to them, you know, to to be se separate. Come out from among them, and. Uh, to live a to, to live a separate life, and that's why it's it's important too who our who our friends are, who our close friends are. Proverbs thirteen verse twenty: He that walks with wise men shall be wise. He that's a companion of fools, you know, shall be destroyed. In First Corinthians fifteen verse thirty three, it tells us in the, the NIV it says, you know, bad company, bad company, it corrupts, corrupts you know, good character. It, it corrupts good char character. And Psalm 45, verse 7, tells us, you know, we are to, it tells us we're not only to love righteousness, but it tells us we are to hate iniquity, to hate iniquity. You know, Jehoshaphat, he loved righteousness, but the problem is he did not hate iniquity. And he did not hate iniquity. And... There was not a separation from people who were walking, you know, very ungodly lifestyles. And, of course, the psalmist tells us that too, the very first psalm. You know, blessed is the man that walk. And, and before it speaks about, you know, meditating on, on, on the word of the Lord and, you know, God's blessing and God's prosperity being upon us, before, immediately before it says that, it says, the negative side, it says, blessed is the man who walks not. He walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. In other words, there's a separation, separation from sin, separation from evil, separation from, you know, those who, who mock God and the ways of God.
And in Genesis 13, I'm just reading it a, a couple of da- uh, a couple of days ago, and and uh, just it was very clear there that in chapter 13, you know, Abraham's separation from Lot. It was an impo- and, and and God brought that about. God God brought it about. Abraham was called. Lot was not called, but they were together, and they both had an abundance of sheep and of cattle, and 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 the land was not big enough. And so, you know, there was friction between the herdsmen of Abraham, the herdsmen of Lot. There was strife. There was enmity. And so Abraham, even though he had the call, was very gracious and said, well, Lot, you choose. If you go to the south, I'll go to the north. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. And he gave the choice to Lot. Lot looked with his natural eyes and saw the fertile grounds around the area of Sodom and and so he chose that, and, and Abraham went elsewhere. And so, but after that separation from, and not, but God did not speak until after that separation, after that separation from Lot. But immediate, immediately after that separation from Lot, God came to Abraham in a fresh way and spoke to him, and he spoke afresh to him and confirmed the promises that his seed would be as the, the dust of the earth. I mean, tremendous blessing, so that no man could even number them. And so from Jehoshaphat here and Jehoram, the king of Israel, there's a, a, a major lesson for us, and I believe this is very important, that, uh, you know, be careful. Be careful of alliances. Be careful of friendships. And, uh, you know, be, and God wants us to be those who not only, you know, love righteousness and love what is right and love the ways of God, but we hate iniquity, we, 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 we hate iniquity, we hate evil, and we'll stand against it by the grace of God. So, in verse 9 of chapter 3, 2, 2 Kings chapter 3, it says there, so the king of Israel went and the king of Judah. They went together and they also roped in the king of Edom and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey and there was no water for the host, for all their armies. There was no water for the cattle and for the cattle that followed them. And so the armies of the king of Israel, that was Jehoram, and then the king of Judah, Judah, that was the southern kingdom, that was Jehoshaphat, and, the, and then the king of Edom as well. And they went against Moab. They went, they journeyed there, the, 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 the long route, the circuitous route. And, um, and I think that was probably to, to draw Edom in with them as well. So there were three kings. There was the king of, king of Israel, his army. There was the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, his army. And was the king of Edom as well. And they, these three kings were joined together against Moab. And here they were, there was, no, there was a drought, there was no water, and you know, they were they were gonna per- three kings and their armies were all on the verge of peris- perishing because of a lack of water, because of the drought, because you know, this major problem that they faced. And they went seven days in the desert. There was no water. And so Jehoram, he was very fearful. And Jehoshaphat inquired. He asked. Jehoshaphat asked, is there a prophet? Is there a man of God? Is there someone we can go to the Lord and inquire? And so the three kings went to Elisha. And we're not told whether Elisha was with them or whether he was some distance away or where he was. But anyway, these three kings went to Elisha to inquire the word of the Lord. And when they got to Elisha, you know, Elisha said, well, you know, it's, it, when, when, when the king of Israel went to Elisha, you know, Elisha didn't want to have anything to do with him. He was different than Jehoshaphat, and he didn't want to have anything to do with him. And, and, and when 
when the king of Israel, you know, was telling the problem. But, but Elisha, the man of God, had regard for Jehoshaphat and the godly life that, that he lived. And so it was only because of the presence of Jehoshaphat that the prophet Elisha, you know, would even, would even talk with him. And so they'd come to get the word of the Lord. And so the prophet Elisha, he, he answered them, verse 15, he says, bring me a minstrel, bring me a minstrel. What's a minstrel? A person who plays an instrument, maybe something like a harp or something like that. And, you know, it would be the last thing most people would think would be instrumental in winning a battle. But that's what Elisha wanted. He wanted a minstrel. And, you know, praise and worship, you know, they're key, fa they're key factors in winning spiritual battles. And that's why we, we talk about praise and we, we seek to praise the Lord. We talk about worship. We seek to be worshippers of the Lord. And we know, you know, Jesus said that the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And by the grace of God, we, we want to have an emphasis in the church here on praise and on worship. You know, like, like David, Psalm 34 and verse 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His pr my praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, and as we, you know, we, we bless the Lord, we minister to the Lord, we sing unto the Lord. And, you know, and I want to encourage, you know, every one of you, you know, in the times of praise, the times of worship, you know, they're very important times. And as we, as we enter in, as we enter in fully, it can prepare the way for God to come down, for God to touch us, you know, just for the, for the angels to come, for release of prophecy and, you know, release of, uh, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's tremendous power released through praise and through worship. And I would encourage each one to enter and enter. When we clap, we don't just clap just to go along with a, to go along with a tune. No, we're, we're clapping. The Bible says, clap your hands unto the Lord. We're clapping unto the Lord and, you know, acknowledging the victory that he has won. The Bible says, lift your hands unto the Lord. And, you know, in every culture of the world, I mean, it's a sign of surrender. And we want to be those surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he's our Lord, he's our God, and we want to lift our hands and worship him. So clap and to, to worship. And, to, and I encourage each one to, 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 to enter in during those times. And there's something about it, you know, if we are united and flowing in it and right from the very depths of our heart, you know, we want to give him praise, we want to give him adoration, we want to give him our love. He is worthy, he's worthy. He is worthy of all our praise, all, our, all of, our, of all honour. There is no one, you know, like the Lord. And Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It tells us in 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1, 20, 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1, it says, speaking about King David, Moreover, David and the captains of the hosts of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduth and Jeduthun, who would prophesy with harps, <coughs> who would prophesy with harps. How you prophesy with harps, I'm not quite sure, but anyway, they prophesied with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. And you know, as they prophesied, the word of the Lord went went forth. You know, there was the, there was the music, the, the minstrels, those playing the harp, the psalteries, the cymbals. And, you know, praise and worship it prepares the way for the presence of the Lord. It prepares the way for the prophetic word. And it prepares the way for the prophetic word to come forth. And that was the reason that Eli Elisha, obviously he didn't, he, he didn't know what to do initially at the time, but he said, call a minstrel. Call someone to play the instrument. And as that person came and played that instrument, then 
the word of the Lord came to Elisha. And the, and the word of the Lord came to him, verse 15. And what was the word of the Lord? Verse 16, the word of the Lord was the title of the message, dig ditches, dig ditches. And he said, thus, thus saith the Lord, make this valley, make this valley full of ditches. So there was Moab there on the, on the south eastern side of the Dead Sea, and then coming against them were the armies of three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. And the word of the Lord, when, they, when those three kings, they go to the prophet Elisha, and he says, he says to them, dig ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. Now, God said through Elisha that without, without rain, without wind, the ditches they digged would be filled with water. And in verse 17, it says, For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind. No wind, neither shall you see rain. No rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water. All these ditches that you digged, that you dig will be filled with water. That, and there'll be enough water, like trenches, and there'll be enough water so that you will all have enough water, both you and your cattle and your beasts. And, I mean, incredible, incredible. That's the word of the Lord. That's the pr pr prophecy that comes forth from the man of God, from Elisha. Dig ditches, dig ditches. Dig ditches. And as they dug the ditches, miraculously, the ditches they dug were filled with water without it raining, without the dew, without rain, without any wind. You know, a, a miracle happened. And Elisha the prophet, he declared, you know, you will have plenty of, you, you, the armies will have plenty of water. The, the cattle will have plenty of water, all the animals. Everything will, will be well. And he, and he also prophesied in that prophetic word, verse 17, it says, and he will, the Lord will deliver the Moabites into your hand. And it wasn't because of the king of Israel, Jehoram. No, it was because of the godly king, Jehoshaphat. And... You know, God said through Elisha, without rain or wind, the ditches will be filled with water. Now, God also spoke through Elisha that he would deliver the Moabites into their hand. And, you know, that prophetic word, it came to pass. It was fulfilled. But the thing I want to emphasize is the prophetic word was dig ditches. In other words, they had to do something. They had to do, do something. They had to do something. I often, I often tell people when I pray for them, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, some people, they, they expect God to grab their tongue and their jaw and, and just, you know, they'll stand sort of like this with their you know, lips firmly, firmly clenched together and, you know, you know, there's no way they're going to speak in tongues if they're like that. And, and so often I say to, say to them, you know, you've got to use your mouth, your tongue, your lips, and by faith begin to speak out. And maybe just one or two words might come initially and then there might be the greater release or a full release. But often before God does a miracle, you know, we have to do our part. You know, we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. We do what is possible, God will do what is impossible. And it's, only as, as only, it's, it's often only as we do our part that God comes through with, with, mirac with his miraculous uh, and his miraculous work. And our part 
He, he told those kings, dig ditches, dig ditches. That was the key. That was the key so that they would, they would, they would not perish. That was the key even to the victory over, 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 over Moab. Dig ditches in our lives. Dig ditches in our lives, in our personal lives, in our families, in our church, in our fellowship. In other words, in other words they, had to, they had to dig those ditches. And God often requires us to do certain things before he moves. We do the possible, he will do the impossible. And so what are some ditches, as it were, we can dig? We can dig things that we can do, things that we can do to you know, prepare the way of the Lord, that we can do to get ready for God to move. You know, we can, we, can, we can pray. And I encourage you, you know, the beginning of this new year, let it, let, you know, by the grace of God, can we ask the Lord that God will just, you know, take this year, will take our, our prayer life, you know, to a, to a new level in God. We can pray that most of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we can pray in other tongues. And we need to, we need to know the value of that and the tremendous benefits and to exercise that as we pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues. And then, you know, there's the daily, daily, daily discipline of, you know, reading the Word of God. And, you know, many, many believers come to church on Sundays. But, you know, most believers... They don't bother reading the scriptures during the week. And, you know, if we, don't, if we don't get into the scriptures, get into the word, you know, day by day, daily, you know, we're not going to grow spiritually. Even if we hear the best sermons in the world, you know, we're not going to grow spiritually if we personally don't feed upon the word of the Lord daily and, and to read his word you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth and continues to proceed from the mouth of God. And, you know, I want to encourage you, you know, this year, and I think we, I think we may still have a few of the Bible reading calendars left uh, available at the back, but I want to encourage you daily, daily, whether you use that or whether you use some other system, but, but go through, you know, don't just sort of have, you know, one day, you know, in Psalms, then another day, you know, something else, then something else, and just sort of open your Bible and point at something. No, you, we want a consecutive, ongoing, you know, um, study of the Word of God through the Word of God. And, you know, that takes a discipline. And it's like digging a ditch. Digging a ditch, you know, is hard work. It's hard work. You've got to get the spade. You've got to get the shovel. You've got to, you know, to dig a ditch. And if those ditches were just, if they were small ditches, there'd be a small amount of water, of the, 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 the living water. And so the, the deeper we dig the ditches, the more water and the flow of the Spirit of God and the life of the Spirit that will come. So things we can do, we, ditches we can, we can dig. You know, in prayer and speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, in daily feeding upon the word of, word of God, you know, in fasting. And, you know, we're, we're, we've got this three days of prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you to believe God, you know, during this time and set those days apart and by the grace of God, press into God and believe God for miracles, maybe some bondages or breakthroughs you need in your own life and you know, pray for our, we've got to pray for our church. You know, we, we desperately, we desperately need revival and need a, you know, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't work it up, but we can dig ditches. We, we, we can prepare the way. We can prepare the way of the Lord and prepare the way for the Lord, you know, to come and to move in our midst and for his glory and his presence to increase amongst us. Um, and so I want to encourage you, uh, you know, in, 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 as, we, as we pray and fast together and, 
and, and you know, trust the Lord that God will do something new. God will, God will break through. God will, God will cause there to be a, you know, a flow of the Spirit of God, a, a fresh breakthrough, a new thing that you know, he will come and do in our midst. And, you know, there's a fresh discipline in our lives. As Rebecca was talking, excellent word on, on, on discipline, godly discipline and self-control and temperance uh, in our lives. Important areas which, which, which we can do, ditches we can dig to prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves for revival, prepare ourselves for the Lord to come. You know, we can... God wants to stir us up afresh at the beginning of the year. To, you know that we we not only receive from Him, but we are we're going to be those who will who will witness for the Lord, who will share Christ with others, who will not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, and will you know actively look for opportunities to you know to, to give the gospel, to share something about the Lord, invite someone to church, whatever, and to to you know be those who reach out to others with our faith. And then the steps of obedience. You know, when God speaks to our hearts, you know, do we do we respond? Do we obey those steps that he's calling us to? You know, how deep is our ditch? How deep is your ditch? How deep is mine? How much water can I hold in my ditch? You know, Jesus said, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to come unto me. And out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers, rivers, rivers of life-giving water, living water, living water. In verse 18, 2 Kings 3 and verse 18, it tells us here, and this is but a light thing in the sight of God. You know, in the sight of God, you know, for God to move, for God to do the miraculous, for God to... Make fill those ditches with water. It's just a light thing for the Lord. It's a light thing. And it says, He will deliver the Moabites unto your hand. And no wind, no rain, but God miraculously filled the ditches with water. You know, we're not fighting for victory, but fighting, you know, in the victory. And Later in that chapter, in verses 22 and 23, 24, it says, And they rose up early in the morning, and the sun shone upon the water, and the Moabites saw that the water on the other side is red as blood. So God came. God miraculously filled those ditches. They dug ditches. God filled them with water. And then in the morning, the Moabites looked over, and there was a reflection of the sun on the water, and that water looked red, it looked, like, looked blood red. And they said, verse 23, this is blood. The kings are surely slain. They have smitten one another. Moab, the king of Moab and all the Moabites and the, the army, they thought that those three kings who were coming against them had all just been fighting one another and had killed themselves. And so they thought they were just going to go in and take the spoil. And they said, Moab, to the spoil. And verse 24, And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites. So they fled before them. But they went forward, smiting the Moabites even in their country. And, you know, God gave those three kings a great victory over Moab. The Moabites saw the water as blood, you know, because of the sun shining on it. And, you know, that, as I mentioned, that they thought that the armies had killed each other. But the Moabites were soundly defeated. The prophetic word of Elisha came to pass, and the result was a great victory, and Moab was defeated. And, you know, we've got a, a new year, a new year before us, 2023. And I have a great expectation in my heart. You know, God is going to move afresh. God is going to move afresh. God is moving. You know, sometimes we look at the natural, we look with our natural eyes, and it seems just the opposite. It seems there's a 
there's a diminishing. It seems that, you know, things are going backwards. But I believe God is going to come in a fresh way. He's going to come. He will arise. And we are to arise with God and possess the land. And it's, you know, it's, it's a light thing under the Lord. You know, David said, Psalm 18, 29, For by thee have I run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. And you know, as we dig ditches, as we seek to prepare for revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, I believe God wants to do breakthroughs, breakthroughs in our personal life, maybe in bondages that have been there for a long time. God wants to give breakthrough here at Mount Zion Church. God gives, wants to give breakthrough in our, in our fellowship, Zion Fellowship, ZMI, ZA, that, that God will come, God will move afresh, God will do a new thing, God will revive, God will revive. And so, you know, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trouble, even the times of, of gross dark, darkness, in gross darkness, Isaiah says, times we're living in right now, times when, as a nation, you know, we've turned away from God and the darkness and the evil seems to be getting worse and worse. And you wonder, well, can things get any worse? But that is the time when the glory of God will come. And let us arise this year, press into God in a new way and expect God to do great things. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, you're the God of the breakthrough. Lord, we thank you for the word of the Lord which came to Elisha. Dig ditches and help us, Lord, to dig ditches and to prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way, Lord, even for revival and the moving of your spirit in our midst. Do it, O oh God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, God, speak to each of our hearts. Just ask the Lord, maybe dig ditches. How, how, ways that you can dig a ditch, dig a deeper ditch. Prepare the way. Father, just see all this word to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.